Jonathan, hey, how are you? Good. Good. So we, we all know Jonathan, right? So we think we know Jonathan because we, we see him, we see his passion, we see his excitement, we see his um, commitment to the Lord, his faithfulness to Jesus. And, uh, and yet we don't all know your story, you know, some of the, the things you walked through in the past um, before following Jesus. And so, so Jonathan's going to share, uh, I think, just a, a slice of that, a little bit of that, and, um, and let us in to that window a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it's a, a long story. I mean, I'm a, I'm a young 33-year-old man, um, married almost two and a half years now to my lovely wife sitting in the front row right there. All that wisdom, Victoria. I always joke about that, too, at home, because she does have a lot of wisdom. Um, but the seed was planted very, at a young age. Uh, I had had a, a temper tantrum at Sunday school, and I ripped up a heart. And I got super angry, and the seed of the gospel was, kind of, was, was just planted in my life um, in that fit of rage. And I was asked to kind of take five minutes, take a breather, think about what you did, and, you know, let's see. And apparently... I you mean, ripped up a craft heart? Like a crafted a, okay. heart, yes, yeah. I, yeah. A okay. crafted wow. heart, not my own heart. No. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I, in I, a I way, figured, yeah. Kinda. I figured it was construction paper, but anyways, go on. <laughs> anyway, so someone was spying on me, and apparently I had... Um, asked the Lord to come into my life in those moments. And, and then that person gave me a new heart. And, um, and that was at the age of four. And apparently it was very an honest moment. And that moment was retold to me afterwards, you know, growing up. It was pretty, pretty amazing, uh, pretty amazing to hear that story growing up. But at the age of 14, I kind of, uh, I kind of struggled... And I don't know if you, if, if for you that have siblings, many of us have siblings. I had an older brother, David Hodges. I don't know if anybody knows David Hodges. Who knows David Hodges? Oh, yeah. We're in a room where people don't know David Hodges. Um, I struggled with setting, being, like having the desire to set myself apart uh, from my brother. Because uh, my brother was doing great things. He was almost like a child prodigy. Um, he had a lot of great, I mean, he started writing full out, like poems and albums at the age of 12, you know, and like he had released six albums by the age of 17, you know, like a rat, like hip hop albums and like it's a lot of acclamation in his life. So I just wanted to like kind of set myself apart, give myself an identity and say, you know, like, hey, like this is this is me. So I found the skateboarding world. I found the skateboarding world, kind of got hired at the local skate shop in uh, in Point Claire, just down the street here, Surf 66 in 99. I was actually 14 at the time, and they hired me illegally um, as the first English, English employee. <laughs> um, it was pretty amazing. Um, I got paid a dollar, a dollar a skateboard. I would put together skateboards, and I got paid a dollar a deck that summer, but they sold a lot of skateboards that first summer. They were like the biggest skate shop in the West Island at the time. Maybe some of you know about that, but I found the skateboard world, and um, quickly kind of things unraveled. Between the age of 14 and 21, I fell in love with the, with the skateboard and snowboard industry. I fell in love with the sport as well. I became uh, quasi good at it. Um, I was a shop sponsor. Um, I got a lot of free gear. Um, kind of uh, became very prideful and arrogant uh, in my identity. People, not many, I wouldn't let many people into my sphere. Um, I just had like 
my squad or our crew, and we kind of went out, and we were like the coolest of the cool, you know, and we didn't really let anybody in um, into our, our gang because, like, we knew, like, we knew how to do this, you know, and we were the best at doing this. Um, and that's kind of like my perspective for a while, and I, I, envied, uh, I envied progressing in the industry at, at, any, at any cost. I would just do anything, like at the expense of people um, as well. My family, I distanced myself from my family completely. Actually, um, I, I may have gone, you know, two, three years without speaking to my family at the time, um, even though I even lived in the same house, um, <laughs> which was pretty crazy. Uh, but I did distance myself from my family. I isolated myself in my own home like I was... Anyways, it was, pretty, it was a pretty intense time. And then the climax, climax of that time, I, had, I lost two of my best friends. One to um, uh, a driving incident, a car accident, and another one to suicide. And it kind of just, it launched me completely away from my family. So I actually moved physically. I moved myself away from the West Island. I need to get out of this place and move my, I moved myself to the city. And in the city, between the age of 21 and 26, um, it was just complete chaos. And like, it was pride, arrogance, envy, immorality, all kinds of stuff. Anyway, I still kind of held this persona. I held this persona. I was, I was living an empty life. Um, I had very questionable appetites at the time and practices. I was, you know, um, I was steeped in drug addiction. I was depressed. Um, I was isolated. I was, in, I was very lonely at the time as well. Even though I knew a lot of people and I was able to network, um, which is kind of still the way I operate these days, but a lot differently um, with the, in the life of Christ. But, like, at the time, it was just I became accustomed to uh, event coordinating uh, I was managing bars promote, like as a promoter, and uh, I was booking DJs, and um, I got deep into the nightlife scene in Montreal um, in terms of just networking myself and partnering and collaborating with people. Never made many friends, but I was collaborating with people and uh, evolving in that sense, but also going deeper and deeper and deeper into darkness, and it got really dark. Uh, and then at the age of 20, 26, I think 25 and a half, um, things kind of just, you know, uh, just kind of came undone to use what the term Sanaz was using before. I just came undone. Um, it was, uh, I was managing an after hours, and these, this after hour goes from, um, you know, 1 o'clock in the morning to 10 o'clock in the morning. And... Um, the place is actually a real place. You can look it up on the internet. They have blogs about it. It's called Le, Rid Le Rideau Déchiré, the torn curtain. Okay? And I'm, and in a twist of God's humor, I find myself managing after hours in a place called the torn curtain. Okay? <laughs> like, no, like, this is something that only later I realized. I'm like, hey, wait, that place was called the torn curtain. Anyways. So, uh, Easter story, Jesus died, the curtain in the temple tore down. Just for anybody who, Context. who's wondering, honestly, yeah. I mean, yeah, no, I got it, I'm, and some did too, I just checked. 
just, just making sure. Did Anyways, get that read reference? the end of the Gospels. You'll read the story. <laughs> Go for it. Sorry, I tend to do that. Um, and, um, yeah, I started hearing the voice of the Lord like, in, those, in those environments. And it was pretty intense, and it was very clear. Um, well, at first it wasn't as clear because I wasn't sure what I was hearing. Then I had to ask some people about, like, what I was hearing. And it was a lot of passages out of Isaiah that were just coming back to me. And maybe it was my years in Sunday school memorizing those verses, but they were coming back to me in very clear moments where I was seeing things that probably no one should see and doing things that probably no one should do, and I was hearing, and I was hearing these things. Uh, so I, I just started exploring the Gospels. Um, but as I was exploring the Gospels, I was still living in darkness. So there was this whole, this whole pull and tug, you know, put, or like there was this good versus evil battle in my life, which eventually I almost, I almost died. I almost died, but in a rescue moment, God just lifted me out of this, um, reconciled me with my family in the process. Um, I had to kind of come clean about a lot of things. That I, there was, I was super dishonest with my family, um, and, and my, parents, my parents know this, but even with my dad, like the, he never stopped just being, trying to be present in my life. Um, but then when that rescue moment happened, I basically almost died. I almost, I almost OD'd. And, um, and, and then he was like, well, I could send you off to, you know, drug rehab or, you know, you can come to Jesus. You could place your hope in him and, and watch him heal you, regenerate you, make you new. And then, I was, and then all this, the forgiveness stuff and walking through that with my father, walking through that with my family as well, coming back into their life, you know, it took some time, but God like really just regenerated my life in a, in a very beautiful way, in, in a way that, you know, you just, you know, you're so undeserving of the whole process that you're like, wow, I just like, Anyways, I was just going to say kind of a, a bad word to say on a Sunday, but like I, th- I just kind of threw my life out the window, and everybody that was a part of it, and, and then uh, came back in, and it was just like acceptance, full acceptance, full forgiveness, um, and, uh, and then just the Lord started to just renew my appetites. And for like three years, that's when I met David. And a few other people, but David specifically, we would meet on the steps at Fairview in the middle of the winter and just pray. And that's when I learned how to pray. It was like minus 40, <laughs> minus 40 weather, meeting on the steps of Fairview, praying for the West Island. Not for my problems, praying for the West Island. But I was learning how to pray. And it was, ama- it was amazing, but um, part of my prayer during that season was like, God, transform my appetites. This guy, this preacher in Atlanta, John Anwucheko, he's amazing. You should look him up. But he had, he had shared a sermon. I went to Atlanta for a, for a conference called Man Up. And, uh, and he had shared a word on, like, how God can transform our appetites. And at the time, I was, I was dealing with relapsing and, like, you know, going back and forth. And I was sick of going back and forth. And I was like, I just want to go forward. You know, when Paul says, you know, like, Look ahead, look forward, grab hold onto the goal which God has called you to heaven word, you know? 
And so I did, and God did, and he, and he started to really just transform my appetites and just created a, a, a whole new path um, for my life, which ultimately led to me meeting my beautiful wife and then got married. And now it's, it's still, there's still this, I mean, she just, like, last month, um, this is kind of present reality stuff. Um, last month was crazy. It all happened at the same time. Um, but um, Victoria left for Florida for, for three weeks um, during the holidays, which was, wasn't quite easy to be alone you know, over the holidays. Um, my Oma, my grandmother in, in Holland, passed away um, just around actually on the same day that she left. And the job that I was currently working in uh, was, was on notice for bankruptcy. So we weren't sure about anything. It was like, what's going to happen in the new year? And I kind of had this cabin fever. <laughs> I was faced with this, this. I was like back where I was in my lonely days, like in my apartment, just, you know, doing, you know, my, I guess you could say, just doing drugs and, and, and just on my own just there sitting there in my darkness, in my snare, not going to the Lord, not having the Lord in my life or anything. But I, was, I felt like I was back in that place. Like when she left, my Oma died, jobs on the line, and I just felt like it's still around. You know, like my, this snare is still inside me somewhere and there are certain situations that I may be in where it could creep up on me. So, here, so here's the question. As you, as you, I think you shared this with me as you were leading up to today. All this, this is your, you're sharing your past. Yeah. God's changed you, transformed yeah. you. You want to move forward or you have in many ways moved forward. We know the Jonathan today, you know? Uh, and it's an amazing story of transformation. But... Even in your walk forward, you're saying at times there's these things that creep up, this, these things that are still there. I mean, it's three, almost three decades, two and a half decades of life, right? Yeah. So, so even with the transformation of Jesus, so, how do, you, so, so how, do you, how do you see the Lord helping you in that, leading you through that? You know, when, just what's the raw idea of these things popping up from time to time? The thoughts, the, you know, the feelings, the the sense of, uh, of despair that you were in? Well, I mean, none of these snares have power over me anymore. I mean, they're very familiar to me when they're around. That was an amen moment, by the way. None of these snares have power. Amen. Okay, good. Yeah. Go for it. Keep going. <laughs> so, obviously, different perspective... God has provided me with different perspective in these moments in ways that I could respond. Like he gives me the story of, of Christ that I can lean on. Like, um, the way he responded to the enemy in, in the wilderness, in his story, um, are, are natural invitations of ways that I can respond when the snare, when I kind of feel myself becoming ensnared in these, in these ways. Um, where the enemy is trying to kind of pull me back in. 
Um, so that's 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 basically that's basically it. I think I think like loving my learning to love my wife is is the one way that God is teaching me um, in ways opposite of my old self. I don't know if that makes any sense, but like the way that I would have done it before I had you know come to Jesus. Now learning how to love my wife in the process of all of this has has really invited me to newer to newer revelations, to newer steps in my spiritual journey with the Lord. Um, and we were talking about that last night um, before we went to the game. Uh, we went out for, for food, and we were just talking about next steps in our relationship. And, and, like, a lot of these steps to me seem impossible for me. Like, I look at them and I say, oh, my goodness, like, how am I going to do this? And the Lord is right there, and he's just saying, well... How have you done this, like, before, you know? Yeah, that's awesome. We want to take a moment and pray, and um, we want to read a a psalm as well. We want to pray for Jonathan and Victoria, but also for any of us, really. I think the the heart of this is, even as we follow Jesus, right, Um, there's healing, there's transformation, there's change. Um, But as, as Jonathan mentioned, you know, and I'm sure many of us experience this, there's there's a, sometimes the snare that comes up, the thought, the, the, the way we've been shaped. You know, Discipleship is a beautiful thing when we're discipled in the way of Jesus. But if we're honest, many of us have been discipled for a couple of decades out of the way of Jesus. So there's, that, that in some ways um, is, is, a work, is a work in progress. Uh, so we want to pray. Um, we want to read Psalm 73. Do you want to read that or I'll read it? What, uh, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll read it. Okay, so, so Jonathan will read it and then we'll, we'll move into a moment of prayer. You can follow on the screen. When my heart was bitter, when I was all cut up inside, I was stupid and ignorant. I acted like nothing but an animal towards you. But I was still always with you. You held my strong hand. You have guided me with your advice. Later you will receive me with glory. Do I have anyone else in heaven? There's nothing on earth I desire except you. My body and my heart fail, but God is my heart's rock and my share forever. Look, those far from you die. You annihilate all those who are unfaithful to you, but me It's good for me to be near God. I have taken my refuge in you, my Lord God, so I can talk all about your works. Amen. Let's pray. Even as we pray, let's just allow the Holy Spirit to bring up maybe areas of our lives where we still feel... um, Times pop up, um, peek through, try and grab our attention, try and pull us into a detour. Lord, thank you for Jonathan's story. Thank you for the early seeds of the gospel in his life. 
the age of four. Sometimes without fully knowing, you are at work around us and in us and through us and in circumstances and people. God, we're so grateful. Help us, God, to to remember and take notice of moments that we may be completely ignored that you were at work and you were already grabbing our attention. God, we grieve with, uh, with the parts of, of Jonathan's life that have been hurtful and despairing and difficult. Um, the conflict or broken relationships and these other areas, God, he describes. And yet we're grateful, God, that he has come to know you and that uh, these snares do not have power over him because Jesus is Lord. And we say thank you for that, God. And we pray uh, for him as we pray for all of us um, when um, we are uh, led astray or tempted or uh, parts of how we were discipled or shaped away from you in years previous, God. Um, will get our attention. God, we long to continue growing in you. And we trust that you who have started a good work in us will bring it to completion. And we trust that for Jonathan. We're grateful for Victoria. We lift them up to you and their marriage and their home and their lives. And we pray that for all of us, God. You have started an incredible work in us in Jesus Christ as we have responded to your grace and your gospel and your truth in Christ And we trust, we stand here trusting today that you will continue to complete that work in us, God. We say amen to that, Lord. Um, In Jesus' name we pray, amen.